You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. Campeones, of course, as you heard there, Barcelona celebrating their league title, a hard-fought league title, but they have managed to do it with four games remaining. I'm joined by Roman de Alquera, I'm Ruri Barlow, your host for today. Roman, as a culé, this has got to feel a pretty sweet evening to watch Barcelona clinch a league title on Espanol soil. It is a, a definitely a great moment. I mean, you can see how the players were celebrating, are still celebrating as we record because it's it's a massive title. Many of these guys, don't forget, are really young players who don't know what it's like to win a La Liga title. So for them, it's, of course, a massive achievement. And, of course, others have been waiting for quite a while now, taking into account Barca. have really struggled to get here once again. And, of course, it was a bit disappointing to see how it ended in the, in the stadium with all the fans jumping in, which I thought was a... Uh, terrible scene to, to 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 see, you know, when when a game ends. But uh, it's what happens when you know radicals are, are around the pitches and and don't like what they're seeing. And I can understand they were a bit unhappy with that because in the end it it is their eternal rivals. We could say celebrating in their ground, but it's football. You want a title. Uh, I know it hurts to see those images, but come on, just let it happen. They're gonna go in a couple of minutes and uh, things move on. And Espanol have to focus on other stuff, but. Uh, really happy for Barca on that end because uh, we deserve this title, absolutely. Yes, as you mentioned, at the end there, Barcelona were partaking in a Sardana. They were they were dancing on the pitch, celebrating their title, which I, I think a lot of people were saying it was insensitive on Twitter. But I think, I mean, it was, yeah, two, three minutes after a title was won. That, pretty understandable from my point of view. I don't think that they were yeah. um, taking the piss, for want of a better word. I think it was 
pretty pretty okay but yeah no, in, in fact sorry i wanted to add that uh, in la liga tv uh, one of the analysts was saying that barca was like kind of uh lacking respect and doing it uh, you wouldn't want people to do that in your own home but i mean we can't really compare we're, we're talking about a team that just won a title they're celebrating uh and i mean they have all the right to do so i mean it's, it's disrespectful maybe it is but i mean they just won a league you know it's one of the biggest achievements a club can can actually uh, get so i mean um if they had been there for like three hours you know start cutting the nets of, of the goals start taking parts of the pitch <laughs> to, to like a a memory then of course i would understand that that's disrespectful but uh, celebrating and, and jumping in the middle of the field is, is something everyone expected taking into account that barca we all knew that could win the title there at the uh, stadium it's, it was a thing that could perfectly take place it did and i mean as i said move on you know because Spanish have to focus on other stuff which is saving themselves and not on um, barca celebrating yeah plenty to come on the rest of the show we've got real madrid atleti atleti Offers of one of the shocks of the season, it has to be said, but European race as well. We've had some exciting twists on the relegation battle, but we will be spending, of course, most of this first half of the show on Barcelona because, yeah, it's a massive achievement, isn't it? I mean, Xavi took over this team in ninth place, well documented. He was 12 points off the league leaders. Now Barcelona are about that distance off Real Madrid and they've won the league title about just over 18 months on. I mean, he's had reinforcements. This is a different team. But Xavi has to take a lot of credit for this. And I think he, he's he's had his criticism this season, that's fair to say. But he deserves his praise, doesn't he, Roman? Absolutely. I mean, it's not easy, you know, to, to come in in a club like uh, Barcelona. Uh, Xavi had very high expectations uh, I remember before becoming a manager people were saying he'd be the new Guardiola so I mean all that pressure on you uh, isn't easy at all and I mean the new Guardiola let's not kid ourselves that's uh, practically impossible I mean Xavi has done w what he can with what he has of course uh, Barca did spend a lot of money in the summer transfer market to, to make a good team for him and it's a fact that Barca did disappoint in, in the Champions League of course and in Europe in the Europa League uh, but at least, you know, he got the job done in, in La Liga and it's been a long time since 2019, since uh, we won the last title. So, I mean, that deserves a lot of credit. It's it's 50% his, of course, as well as the players, because, you know, he has to keep them motivated. And it wasn't easy, especially this last run where we had a big gap, but we weren't really well, we were playing for the title. But at the same time, it's not easy you know, to face sides when you know that it's practically done. And Xavi had to keep them motivated, keep them uh, playing well and uh, he got them to do really well because I thought it was going to be a much tougher game at Espanyol. I know Espanyol are doing really bad, they've been really poorly this season, but I thought they would really uh, be a bigger problem. I, I didn't expect Barca to get three so quickly in the first half and practically just seal the title uh, and in that sense a bit disappointed with, with what I saw from Espanyol, but uh, credit to Xavi because he managed to get the team super motivated to just finish this off there and, and not have to worry for what's uh, left and, and enjoy the, the title for the next uh, upcoming weeks. Yeah, Barcelona were rampant to get to Espanyol. We should say the results, they beat Espanyol 4-2. Um, they were pretty comfortable. Lewandowski for Brace, Alejandro Balde got on the score sheet as well. And uh, it, it was a, a relatively easy game for Barcelona. They'd had five days off. Um, before the match and Xavi had said that it had uh, slightly ticked him off that his pride was a little bit hurt when people were saying that they don't train enough and uh, they came out and, and gave a fairly kind of rotund response to that. I, I, I think for me one of the things to highlight about Xavi and this Barcelona league season, this title win is just 
even if Barcelona haven't played brilliant football throughout, this is a side that's been through a lot of upheaval. I mean, we forget that Barcelona started off two seasons ago under Koeman with Memphis Depay as a star. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang came in and scored sort of 13 goals and was then the star. And then they moved on to the Robert Lewandowski. He's had kind of three different main forwards during his time. You've had a lot of upheaval in the squad. You've had Dembélé that he's recovered. You've had... Uh, the defence coming in, he's built a defence in the space of less than a season. It took about three months for Barcelona to discover that defensive solidity, which is not kind of usual for a lot of teams. And and yeah, it's, it's a young team, it's a unequal team. The likes of Alejandro Balde have come through and have become a major part of this side and, and given them sort of a, a threat on the left-hand side, which has allowed them to kind of get rid of a, a forward and, and make them a more solid side. So I think between all of the upheaval in the team and off the pitch. We know Barcelona have had a lot of problems with money. We know they've had the Caso Negreira to deal with and there's, there's various other topics, but this is a, a modern news cycle that does not rest and Barcelona seem to always be at the heart of it. And Xavi, he's backed up by the fact that he is who he is, that he has his reputation, but I think it's been a pretty remarkable job of keeping Barcelona's football team focused on the football and, uh, and and Frankie Diong in particular as well as another point I want to highlight because I think before this last summer you could kind of make a good argument for selling him if, especially if you got a kind of offer of 70-80 million now I don't think many Barcelona fans would like to see him go and he managed to keep Diong on side despite the club's kind of pretty clear attempts to sell him so so yeah there's my uh, kind of my, my credit to Xavi my uh, kudos to him uh, in terms of kind of players and, and on the pitch who do you think have been kind of the architects of this title win, Roman? Who's really stood out for you and, and where have Barcelona made the difference this season? Well, I think uh, you, you pointed it out. For me, the main difference was was defensively. And that starts, of course, with uh, Ter Stegen at the back. I think this was easily, I'd say, his best season for me. I mean, he's had other really good seasons, uh, but it's true that, of course, he had a dip uh, recently in form. He wasn't the goalkeeper... We signed a first, you know, and we were hoping to have, and, and, and he was capable of coming back from that. And this season, I think he's been fundamental, you know. I mean, in La Liga, we've just conceded 13 goals, and, and he's to blame in big part. You know, he's made some incredible saves. Uh, of course, today they put two past him, unfortunately, two, the first one being a golazo from Puado. We can give him a lot of credit for that. But, I mean, despite that, uh, Ter Stegen has been there when we've needed him in, in La Liga, you know, in important moments. And for me, he's definitely... One we have to uh, mention. Um, then, of course, I think it's hard to point out one man in, def in defense. Of course, I think Araujo comes to mind for many of us because he has been a leader of the back. But I think in the end, it's been a collective effort. You know, I mean, Balde has been also a very good. Christensen, when he's come on, he's really uh, done well. Uh, we've had, of course, Kunde, who's had his ups and downs, but, you know, he's been quite quite good also. And uh, we can even say Marcos Alonso, of course, had his mistakes, but he had some also really good performances, surprisingly, at, at the back defensively. So, I mean, as a whole, I think I'd like to point out uh, um, those players and then as yeah, those players at the back. And then, of course, uh, we could mention Pedri, who, of course, uh, was out for a while. But, I mean, while he, while he's there, you can really t tell there's, there's a big difference, you know. Um, during his injury, Barca wasn't looking as good we're really struggling lacking a bit of creativity a bit of goal and then he's been back and in a couple of games we've uh, recovered a really good version of, of ourselves so definitely he could be one to mention in the midfield and then up up front i think 
it's true that Robert hasn't been as good after the World Cup because I guess I mean that took a lot of energy from him. But still, he's he scored the goals we needed. We needed a striker like him because uh, Memphis did what he could. Other strikers have done what they could. But since Messi, we were missing really a guy who could uh, get those uh, relevant goals in, in La Liga, and Lewandowski has really uh, performed well there, and hopefully. He can keep this up next season. There won't be any World Cup in between that should uh, affect him in that sense. Of course, he will grow a year older, but I mean, he's in really good physical shape. So I hope he'll be uh, playing at, go at a good level. And if Messi decides to come in the end, that could be a very, very interesting connection to to watch out for. But uh, for me, I guess these are the three players I'd, I'd uh, pick for this season. Yes, yeah, so you mentioned Messi there. There were chants of Messi's name at Canaletas, which is like the fountain where Barcelona go to celebrate their title wins on, on La Rambla. And uh, and yeah, it's it's an interesting prospect for next season. Obviously, Xavi said in his kind of post-match presser, he said this is a team still in construction. We still have to make improvements. Juan Laporta has promised signings previously, but did again so tonight before he went and got soaked in the dressing room and uh, was very much <laughs> at the heart of celebrations. Um his figure is at at times endearing, at other times clownish. It could be said, uh, but I, I think most Barcelona fans will give him a, a pass tonight, getting uh, soaked in the dressing sure. room uh, with the players. And and coming on to kind of Barcelona, obviously in Europe they've disappointed. But I think if I if I want to highlight a key moment for me, and I'll come on and ask you your key moments, kind of uh, in the next kind of seconds or so. But for me, the key moment was that kind of burnabout, that Camp Nou Clásico when they won 2-1 against kind of, I want to say all the odds in inverted commas because Real Madrid knew that they needed to win. They had more resources than Barcelona available. Barcelona were missing Petri, they were missing Dembélé, who are their two sources of creation. Frank Kessier came on and scored the winner in that game late on. And it was a tight game, but it was a game that Barcelona came through. And I think in previous seasons, you'd see that they probably just wouldn't have made it through and, and obviously they had the Copa del Rey kind of defeat after that but on the whole the being able to face up to Real Madrid having the self-confidence to say we are just as good as these guys and in some cases better I think that is the key difference that has been instilled in this Barcelona from this season to last I don't know if you have kind of thoughts on your key moments Roman yeah I mean I, I was going to mention uh, towards uh, the end of, well, not the end so much, last year it was more uh, towards October, November, uh, when Barca came from that really horrible streak when they lost against uh, Real Madrid 3-1 uh, in their stadium, then they lost 3-0 against Bayern at home uh, in, Bar in the Camp Nou, of course, and I felt that that could be a really decisive moment in the sense that Barca could completely collapse or recover themselves, you know, and... and get back to, to a good level and, and prove that they were still in contention, at least for, for La Liga, of course. And uh, I think they did, um, they were capable of, of reacting, basically. And I think they did well to to not let that get to them too much because it's been a lot of uh, struggle, especially in Europe. And that can, of course, affect a lot of the players mentally. Uh, and uh, somehow they kind of pull through. And I think their Xavi deserves a lot of credit, you know, I guess from his experience and uh, all he's lived as, as a player, he was capable of, of getting his players to actually believe that uh, things weren't over. There was still a long way to go. And from there on, I kind of felt there was a reaction. Of course, they were 
better moments, worse moments. There's lots of ups and downs during a season uh, with Xabi uh, as a manager. This season we've seen some very, very good versions of Barca playing fantastic football and some very mediocre versions, we could say. So, I mean... Um, we know the poten potential is there. We know that we can play very good football, but there's that um, need to find that uh, consistency, we could say, especially when we're talking about uh, Europe. That's where maybe there's a lot to improve and, and there's 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 margin of, of, of improvement, as I just said. So, I mean, uh, if he can kind of imp uh, fix that and, and change that mentality a bit, then I think next season we will definitely be able to, to do a bit more and take it a step further, you know, of course, making it past the the group stage and, and being a bit more competitive but uh, this is a step there you know the La Liga is definitely going to give them a big chunk of confidence to, to a lot of these players especially who are young who've never experienced stuff like this and from here on we have to keep on building and uh, improving the squad as you mentioned that uh, Xavi wants a few more players to come in and to to improve what we have and from there on uh, I mean we, we should be optimistic and, and believe that we can do uh, a lot better. On that theme I'm going to come on to you in, in two seconds I'm going to ask you for the wish and a worry for Barcelona's summer looking, looking ahead and looking forward for the summer what's the one thing you want to happen and what's the one thing that you're concerned might happen at Barcelona well my wish um, I know a lot of people might not agree but it has to be messy I mean <laughs> I can't avoid uh, thinking that he could come back you know and that have that last dance as, as people like to say from the Michael Jordan documentary you know and, and get his opportunity to to end things in a better way i mean it's sad to see how things are going for him in psg all the booing i think a guy like messi just does not deserve that um and it's just heartbreaking for a barca fan and a messi fan you know to see this taking place so i mean i'd love to to see him come back uh, probably not to finish his career because i imagine he'd maybe want to try some other experiences in the future but definitely my wish is to see messi back uh, once again and my concern, I mean, it's not a specific concern, but it goes in, like in general in the sense that we know that Barca's fair play situation is still very, very delicate. And I'm worried that we might have to sell a player that maybe we don't want to, or we don't need to sell. We shouldn't sell. I mean, for example, Frenkie de Jong, as you mentioned, he's been fantastic this season. He's proven every, everybody who doubted him wrong. Um, and he, But he would, the fact is that he was about to leave. He was very close. There was a lot of pressure on him, not just from Manchester but from Barcelona within to get him out so for example if uh, the club doesn't manage to sell the players they'd want to for the money they'd want to or uh, bring down the salaries they they intend to do then we might have to sell a player like Frankie de Jong who right now uh, is, is going to have even more contenders than maybe last season you know because he's had a incredible year so um, that kind of worries me you know if, if we had to sell him uh, at Aujo, for example, I think that's a bit more of a difficult case. I think that would be very extreme. But, you know, there is a poss possibility that a club offers you 100 million euros for Aujo, which, of course, is still unlikely, but it could happen. And then you'd you get a rid, rid of a sorry, very important piece. Uh, Agabi, for example, which uh, I understand many people wouldn't mind letting go uh, for a good sum of money. But at the same time, I think he's part of our future. So uh, these kind of things are the things that worry me a bit more in terms of Barca's financial situation and, and something surprising as you know and, and breaking a bit that uh, optimism we have towards next season that's what I'm worried most about Fascinating stuff well we will draw part one to a close there we do have plenty to come on to as we were saying we've got Atleti 
um, who went down in a shock defeat. We've got Real Madrid, who of course have a Champions League semi-final. And uh, yeah, a, a big defeat for Athletic Club, a draw for Real Sociedad, all of which makes that European race all the more interesting. So don't go anywhere, we'll be back in just a second. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. We are discussing Barcelona's title win, but there's plenty more going on in La Liga to discuss as well. We we spoke about the European race. There's obviously big results down at the bottom as well because every single week is crucial down at the bottom. I'm going to uh, kind of drive through the Madrid teams very, very quickly here. Real Madrid lost, uh, beat to half a 1-0 with a Marco Asensio goal. Not much to report on here. I'll give you two quick hits firstly i want your thoughts on kind of their champions league tie against manchester city because that's what we're all interested in um and then i also want to hear just a kind of brief summary of what where you thought kind of real madrid not lost the league but certainly didn't win it this season well uh firstly um regarding of course the the champions league i think it was pretty clear that madrid uh, didn't mind too much what happened this game uh, of course, Ancelotti rotated a lot of players. He did leave some unexpectedly. Some players that you might have thought he would rest were there and and, and did play. Um, of course, and of course, I understand that uh, they prefer to finish on top of Atlético Madrid. And at the moment, they're they're gonna achieve their objective, uh, given what uh, happened uh, between Atlético and Elche. But clearly, the focus was on Manchester City, and uh, and I do think they have an opportunity because in the end, Real Madrid and the Champions League are. Uh, a team you just can't um, not trust, you know, even if they lose 3-0 the first leg, anything could happen. But it's true that the away game being at the Etihad Stadium, I think, takes a little bit away of that possible favoritism Madrid might have. If it had been in the Bernabeu, I would have said, wide open, uh, very good chance uh, Madrid gets something out of this. But being... Uh, at Etihad, I think uh, it'll be a bit tougher for them, but they still, of course, have a shot. The result isn't bad, uh, the first result between both sides. So, I mean, 
anything can happen but uh, honestly i think that city are slightly favorites for this one and i might have to eat up my own words after this but uh, that's what, what i kind of think and regarding the league where they slipped it's hard to say because madrid were just very unpredictable this season i think of course they lost they dropped a lot of points that they shouldn't have dropped it uh, against smaller teams compared to them we could say but th there isn't one fixed moment you know because uh, it's true that they had a very big advantage and they let that go and i guess that maybe is is their biggest mistake you know and and somehow you thought that they would just still cling on and, and be there and at any moment they could overtake barcelona but they just kept dropping more and more points here and there uh, and their form was just very irregular yeah it was like one day they were playing pretty good football and, and looked threatening they would go to the champions league and, and smash liverpool whoever but then they would come to la liga and and disappoint so as i said pretty hard to say in the end um Barca deserve the credit, credit, but then I think it's also a bit. Uh, there's a bit to blame on their side because I think they sh they should have done better in this competition. Yeah, um, and that was of course the top two that we were referring to because Atleti dropped points. They were beaten by bottom side already relegated Elche one nil at the Martinez Valero. Fidel was the one with the goal just before half time, which made the difference. A little bit of joy for Los Flanquiverdes, who have had a really tough season. But this has to be one of the shocks of the season, because Atleti, one of the form teams in 2023, I think nobody in the top five leagues has taken more points than them uh, this calendar year. So, so, yeah, going down to Elche, who we've consistently referred to as one of the worst teams in the 21st century in La Liga. Nobody really saw this coming, did they, Roman? Absolutely not. I mean, um, Elche have been so bad this season and that's why they're right there at the bottom, you know. Uh, but they've managed a couple of very surprising wins, you know, like that 3-1 against uh, Villarreal, who I think nobody saw coming. And even less, this 1-0 this win against Atletico Madrid. And it was a, an Atleti that was coming in really good form. They had just overtaken Real Madrid recently. Griezmann playing some fantastic football. It's true that they had some important setbacks in terms of injuries and players that weren't available such as Oblak of course, Memphis Depay etc, there were others that couldn't uh, participate in this match but still, I mean they have enough to, to beat a team like Elche and it's true that there was a big mistake from the goalkeeper in that Elche goal uh, Gribic coming out you know, and, and hit, touching the ball but giving it basically to Fidel to just push it into the net so I mean there is uh, a big part, to, he has to take a big part of the blame, the goalkeeper, but at the same time, I think Atletico has plenty to to counter uh, that situation against Elche, but in this case, it just didn't happen for them, and now they've dropped down to third. Still still a chance, of course, to, to get back to, to the second spot, but uh, not a great look from, from Atletico Madrid in this case. Yeah, it was a pretty apathetic performance from Atleti. Alvaro Morata was very much giving ammunition to those that do not believe that he should be the starting number nine for a team of Atleti's quality. And uh, glass half full for Atleti fans. This might uh, inspire some of your uh, board members and some of the sporting direction at the club to, to act a bit with a bit more force this summer. Glass half empty, it could cost you 13 million to do so if they do finish second, uh, third behind Real Madrid. So, so yeah, a frustrating afternoon for Atleti fans on Sunday afternoon. Just behind them, it was more frustration from Real Sociedad, who were 2-0 up at home to Girona and 
cruising after a really fast start to the game and then they managed to throw away that lead. Girona ended up with 10 men after Oriol Romeo was sent off in the closing stages but Stuani and uh, Jan Cauto got them back into the game. That means that Villarreal can cut the gap to just five points with four games to go after they thumped Athletic Club 5-1. Um, I'll come on to you first about Real Sociedad who... Yeah, I mean, these are the sorts of points you just really don't want to drop because they've got Atleti and Barca to come in their final four games. Yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, in the preview part with Matt, I was basically saying that uh, Villarreal really didn't stand a chance, you know, at uh, getting that fourth spot because Real Sociedad, for me, had it practically done. And I still think it's very unlikely that uh, they they drop it because there is still a five-point margin, which is which is pretty comfortable. And as you said, it's true that they're going to play Barca, but now Barca have won the league. Maybe there isn't that same intensity or motivation. And if we see the same version of Atletico we saw against Elche, then that might not be as a, a problem either. So we'll have to see how, how those games end up being for Real Sociedad. But it's definitely um, a fact that they let go of some uh, important points here to just completely uh, feel comfortable and, and know that they've got the Champions League spot in, their, in the bag. And at the same time, credit to Girona, who I mean... It's incredible the, 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 how good they are offensively. They've scored 54 goals this season. Uh, there's only three teams that have scored more, and that's the top three, Barça, Real Madrid and Atletico, you know. So this uh, comes to prove that they've done really, really well this season. Already in that Conference League spot, you know, uh, taking over, overtaking Athletic Club. And uh, there is still a shot at uh, the Europa League if somehow Betis lose... Uh, on Monday when they play and then you know and they drop some more points of course it's gonna be difficult but uh, incredible for Girona who are gonna fight to avoid relegation and in the end they're fighting to to play in Europe which I think is fantastic yeah it was an absolute thumping that uh, the yellow submarine gave Athletic Club which will be even more frustrating again because they had enough chances to go head-to-head with Villarreal in this game but Villarreal in sort of the opposite to, to what they tend to do, were absolutely clinical with their chances. Alex Baena got double. Nico Jackson continued his fine form to, to get a brace as well. And it, it really puts the pressure on Real Sociedad a little bit if they were to kind of drop points again next week and then Villarreal were to pick up all three, then, then we could be in for a fascinating end to the season. You mentioned Real Betis there. They're on 52 points, so they're 10 behind La Real, but they do have a game in hand against Rayo on Monday night. Uh, Rayo are still in competition for 7th place, as you mentioned, Girona on 48, Athletic Club are behind them on 47, then Osasuna on 47, Sevilla on 47, Rayo Vallecano on 46, and Mallorca even still in the race for that 7th spot, down in 12th place on 44. Mallorca beat Cadiz 1-0 on Friday night. Pablo Maffeo with uh, the singular goal and a battling performance. Osasuna uh, got past Almeria 3-1 at home. Ez Abde with a lovely goal. Aymar Roth with two two brilliant assists for um, Ante Burmir and also Moy Gomez. And then we had, obviously, Real Madrid. There was a big result um, for Vi- for Sevilla, 3-0 away from home at Valladolid, who are fighting for relegation. There's quite a lot of controversy in this one. Sergio Escudero had a goal. Um, well, the halftime whistle went just a millisecond almost before Sergio Escudero scored. There was also a debatable red card not given to Loic Barre. There was um, a fun cl- uh, club Twitter sort of complaint. Ronaldo Nazario, the president, came out and said this was unacceptable, that we'd be fighting against everyone and everything in these last games, though. 
and uh, very much on on brand for La Liga clubs complaining about referees. Um, and then just final results, I'll wrap them up and then I'll kind of come on to you for talking points, Roman. Uh, Valencia, 2-1 away from home at Celta Vigo. Huge, huge result for Los Che. That moves them out, out of the relegation zone onto, uh, into 14th, 37 points. They're now three points clear of Hitafe, who drop in. Espanyol on 31, Hitafe on 34, Valladolid 35, Cadiz 35 and Almeria 36, which kind of wraps up the team still in it, even if Celta Vigo are sitting a little bit uncomfortably after that defeat. Don't know where you want to pick through the carnage of that, Roman. Is there anything in particular that caught your eye? Well, I mean, uh, it's it's impressive all the complaints that have come out from Bayelid. That was pretty pretty surprising. I mean, I can understand they're annoyed with with the situation because a goal is a goal, and it was at the one nil just before the half time. But I mean, the referee blew his whistle. It was actually one minute past the the t- extra time he'd given. So I mean, there's not really any reason to to support their complaints. Honestly, I mean, it is annoying. It happened right at the moment. I think the referee wasn't really aware that. School that it was coming, and, and as soon as he saw it, he was already blowing his whistle. You know, it's just very, very unlucky for Valladolid. I mean, let's not forget that Sevilla had a similar thing happen against Juventus the other day in Europa League, where they got that corner that came after also the extra time. So, I mean, these things happen, but uh, there's no reason to complain for that. The red card is a different situation that they can uh, evaluate aside, but uh, for me, there, Valladolid don't really have uh, the need to be complaining. Uh, and they can just take a look at Getafe, who in the end seem like they're not going to complain about that possible substitution with Marco Asensio, Asensio coming off uh, just before deciding to, to sub off Camavinga. There was a bit of uh, debate whether uh, Asensio had come off and then so that would have meant that uh, he wasn't allowed to be subbed and there were 12 players or some crazy stuff there going on. But apparently Getafe, despite their critical situation, who in my opinion should be fighting for every every single point they can, <laughs> even if it's outside of the of the pitch apparently won't go for it and uh, will ignore the situation. So, I mean, I, mean, I was saying Bayolid should kind of keep this mindset, take into account it wasn't uh, a big of a deal, in my opinion, in the end. And and just on Valencia, huge, huge win away from home. Justin Kluivert got the opener, Harris Seferovic equalised, but then Alberto Mari, 88th minute header, sort of thumped it in at the near post, the sort of header that We've been waiting for Edinson Cavani to be scoring all season. But again, it's the kids, it's Paterna, it's the Valencia Academy that are getting them out of jail in the same way that Javi Guerra did against Valladolid not so long ago. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's incredible to see the youngsters, you know, taking over and dominating. It's not something you see that often, or at least uh, you may see one kid score a goal. But here we're seeing uh, quite a few Valencia players from the academy stepping up and, and being super, super important. We're not just talking a goal that will... Uh, I don't know, be something he'll remember. This could save his club from relegation because if we know that Valencia are relegated, it could be a disaster given uh, who they have in charge. So, I mean, it's incredible to see uh, how these kids are, are doing well and uh, credit to Barajal for trusting them in these critical situations. And I think uh, Valencia here uh, made a good choice in terms of, of selecting a club legend like uh, Baraja. Not the same case as Espanol, I'd say, who Luis Garcia, for me, was a very, very risky move, taking into account he was someone who had uh, very, very little experience coaching at a high level. So, well, none, none, none at all. So, uh, Baraja, in, in, in a way, was also quite risky, but uh, I think it was different, and at the moment, it's, it's proving to work, and they're pretty close to, to saving themselves. 
Yeah, huge, huge, huge stuff there. And apart from Elche, the only side in that kind of relegation, well, Elche are out, out of the race now, but the only side in that kind of bottom section of teams to, to win. And so that really puts them kind of uh, at an advantage with four games to go. We are running out of time here, so we're going to have to wrap things up, even though we could delve into <laughs> d- delve into the minutiae of all of these games for, for quite some time. Roman, I'm going to ask you for your favourite moment from Barcelona's season. It can be league-related, it can be across the, the classicals, it can be even in Europe, although I'd be somewhat surprised if that was it. But is there anything that really stood out to you that uh, had you euphoric this season from Barcelona's title win? Well, uh, at the moment, I think I'm just going to go uh, take the easy path and say the win at Espanyol. I think it's <laughs> uh, a very sweet taste for for any Barca fan to to win there, you know, to be able to celebrate there, even if it's for just a couple of minutes. And at the same time, knowing that you're putting Espanyol into a delicate situation, I kind of feel like that's that's a massive moment for 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 most Barca fans at least. And I'm um, sorry for Espanol. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if they stay up in the end because uh, it's always good to have Catalan sides in in the first division. But at the same time, you know, uh, it always feels good to to get a result like this in, against your uh, local rivals. Yeah, I think a lot of sympathy from Barcelona fans if they had any to begin with, went out when they saw those fans charging onto the pitch uh, after Ronald Araujo and his company. But we will bring to an end the podcast there. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Roman for his time on on the topics. And uh, check us out on Twitter, at La Liga Lowdown. We'll be covering all the celebrations in detail. And check us out on Substack as well, llonline.substack.com. And that's where we'll have all our written content over the next few days and plenty to come with the Champions League. But on that note, we will say Areo, Gaudesh, um, Barcelona fans and Cules, and uh, until Thursday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.